In a world filled with puppies, coloring books, and people being offended, two brothers come out of the post-apocalyptic leftist wasteland to do something no one else will, to say what they want and mean what they say. Welcome to the unsafe space. Because I like eating hamburgers and pizza, he said. Well, I'll give you a free gym membership, he said. Well, you have me yet free. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Ronnie Coleman got into bodybuilding. And we're rolling. <clears throat> Welcome to the Unsafe Space, Dax. Welcome to the Unsafe Space, Quaid. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Awesome. Ronnie Coleman is one of my favorite humans to ever human. Because he's a good dude on top of everything, but he's awesome. Like, yeah. He's just cracks me up. That really high-pitched voice doesn't doesn't fit, but it's great. Gotta get that cornbread beans. Cornbread beans. Dude, I watched a video where he's, like, arresting, like, because he was a cop, where he's arresting some, like, 110-pound nothing, five-foot-nothing little girl. <laughs> she's, like, this lady, not a little girl. Right. And she's crying, and he's just this hulk. <laughs> he's not even wearing pants. He's wearing, like, specially tailored police shorts. Well, I watched an interview about that. He couldn't fit into pants, yeah. and so they, like, made a specific rule just for him that he yeah, could wear that shorts. that he could wear the shorts. Yeah. And he's just this giant hulk of a man. And she's cuffed, and he's walking her in the police station. She's crying. He's like, now, now, it's going to be okay. <laughs> the high-pitched voice just doesn't go with the, the body. Lightweight, baby. Gotta give it up. Ain't nothing but a peanut. Time to bleed. I love Ronnie. I still think that, like, <clears throat> as far as, like, in, like, I don't know. I get inspired a lot more by Arnold and, like, the classic physique era. Well, even Ronnie Coleman talks about it, how Arnold's the best ever. He go. Ronnie Coleman's even said, he doesn't... Arnold didn't have the stuff that we had. Right, they had freaking tea sip and steak. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, they, they had steroids, both of them, but the steroids got better, and the science got better, and, you know, the food got better. <laughs> basically, right. the every way that you could train got better, too. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I really like the pumping iron, like, era, the golden era of bodybuilding. I have that, uh, the poster of Arnold when he won, and, uh... It just says conquer across it. It's like a banner. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. But like that's I don't that he gets me pumped to go work out. I watch that show and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I watch something with Ronnie Coleman and I'm like kind of depressed. Why? Because he's like, or or actually was it wasn't Ronnie Ronnie. Coleman, but it was Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler's awesome too. They're great guys, but I watched Day in the Life and it was like he wakes up. And like eats in the middle of the night so they can get his calorie intake, then goes back to bed. Then he wakes up and then he stretches for 20 minutes, then he eats and sleeps. Yeah. And it was like, but it was like a comp, it was just this this continuous regiment of just like, like two hard workouts a day, but the rest of it was eating and sleeping (laughs) and eating and sleeping. And that doesn't sound terrible, but bro, like, one of the funniest. If I did that every day and that was the only thing I did and didn't like stimulate my mind in any way, I would die. One of the funniest ever is, is when you watch a montage of Ronnie Coleman's day when, back when he was huge and in it and he's eating like, he ate like eight meals a day, cornbread and beans, right? right? But 
after his gym sessions, he's he's at home doing cardio, and it's just this giant man walking on this tiny little <laughs> treadmill. And you know he like weighs more than the treadmill. It's yeah. great. Well, going along with like the bodybuilding thing, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of people might not understand like the gym or bodybuilding and everything, but I think a lot of the time people write off big dudes like that. They're like, oh, but they do steroids, right? Right you off still Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have to oh, but you're on steroids. Oh, but they're on steroids. Oh, Ronnie Coleman, he's on steroids. What they don't realize is that steroids are the thing that allow you to work twice as hard. Yeah. They're originally developed for burn victims, and so they would heal a lot faster. And so you can literally tear down that bicep twice as hard, and then you're going to repair, and then you twice build. Big, so, yeah. But it takes you tearing your bicep apart twice as hard to, to build it up twice right. as big. Exactly. And so it takes double the work. And it messes you up. It's not We're not advocating steroids at all. No, but, but I just time, don't like it when people look at it and they're like, they no. write off all the hard work. Yeah, they're like... Say, well, Arnold was on steroids. It's like, uh, Arnold was insane. Arnold was, yeah, he was on steroids, but at the same time, he was he was training three times a day, sometimes three and a half hours per training session. You can't do that if you're not on steroids, first off. But the work ethic alone, like a guy like Ronnie Coleman or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Jay Cutler or C-Bum or Callum Von Moger has is insane. Right. To, to get to that level, they, they're just almost, you almost have to be single-mindedly focused. Like you just laser focus, insane work ethic, and it, it's, it's not like you shoot steroids and all of a sudden get jacked. Right, and you can guys tell that, the guys that try to do that because they have back knee really bad and they get puffy. <laughs> and fat. Guys that don't train hard when they're on steroids get fat. Right. They just look puffy and nasty, and it's like you don't look muscular or anything. And Again, for the record, not advocating for steroids. Dax and I have never touched the stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Yet. you got to... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Never. <laughs> the joke. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things, yeah, there's there's complications that arise from steroids that I'd rather not have. <laughs> totally. Um, Your liver. Dude, the best description of, of steroids comes from bro science. And he's like, steroids is like playing a game of poker that you're always going to win, but you can never leave the table. <laughs> <laughs> Literally true. 100%. Once you get off steroids, you get just flabby and gross and everything falls apart and when you lose your gains quicker than if you just had gained them naturally yeah there's a lot of things like that but i don't know i i find that the people that criticize really extreme bodybuilders like arnold schwarzenegger and ronnie coleman mm -hmm. you know i i think ronnie coleman's awesome so when i was talking about yeah. him earlier i wasn't meaning to criticize but like he doesn't I would physically want to look like him. I want to look more like Arnold. Oh, 100%. That's that, my point with that. But, like, the people that criticize bodybuilders in general are never in shape. Well, here's the thing, too, is... Um, and me and you are both into bodybuilding. Um, it's kind of a niche thing. I understand that. Yeah, but what I was going to say is... First point to what you said is... Obviously, Arnold's the greatest ever because... The idea of bodybuilding was born out of creating and sculpting a, a perfect physique, right? right? 
And what Arnold did that was kind of freaky is because before him you had Reg Park and, and guys like that that looked really good, but they looked like just a dude that you'd see on the beach that looked really good, right. that maybe trained, right? 100%. And what Arnold did that changed the game is he got big but continued to look proportioned and looked good because he has insane, crazy genetics that allowed him to do that. And he was also really good at training because, like, yeah. he'd look at himself and then pumping iron. He's like, I need more deltoid. You know what I mean? And then he goes... <laughs> a little more calf. Yeah, it goes and puts more deltoids on, and he mentions how it's not like a, a sculpture where you just slap on the clay. Inspiring, isn't it? Yeah, you gotta yeah. go freaking do it. You know no, I mean? totally, so, but... And what I'm saying is, like, there's all that, but what Arnold did for the sport is he kind of brought size into the equation on top of it. Size with insane shred and at the same time really really good physique still he still had great proportions and that's what they lost later yeah exactly and that's kind of where i'm going then it evolved eventually you had a couple more guys in that arnold era and then who were kind of arnold's buds to be honest and then what happened is you started having some other dudes come onto the scene that just took that size and ran with it and Ronnie That's Coleman, much all they ran but yeah, but Ronnie Coleman was freaky because he was size and shred on just a massive level, and like you said, you don't necessarily want to look like that. So it changed the sport from being something that was more of a desirable look to something that was more became a more of an extreme sport. More of an extreme sport, yeah. yeah. Guys that were just juicing and eating <laughs> and lifting. All day long. Like, Except for what's Jay crazy Cutler, about... Day in the life. It was just like... Yeah. A, just a continuous cycle. And like... I but think what is crazy... that's just extreme. And yeah. You can definitely maintain a great physique just doing an hour a day. So people a lot of the time are yeah. like, well, bodybuilding, that's not for me. And and I have kind of an opinion but, on Jay Cutler. I actually think Jay Cutler looks really good I, with his size. I think he looks great. But yeah. like, I'm just saying that... But there, there are some the guys, like Phil Heath and, and that that generation like the generation the generation iron guys i don't love their physique but i like jay cutler's physique for See, some but i like reason. regan grimes yeah i like him too um but what i was gonna say is yeah i mean this isn't to take anything away from those guys but i just and i think you're the same I think we're way both biased towards we, we like that physique. classic physique yeah. yeah we think it just is more of a well, cool they, desirable look like they they had Olympia and in Arnold's day that was like kind of the ultimate mass and then obviously that kept spiraling out of control till you had like <laughs> Phil Heath, Kai Green, Jay Cutler, mm-hmm. Ronnie Coleman that were just these freak beasts out there right yeah what's cool is I've seen the sport kind of scale it pendulums back. back yeah and now they're saying okay we want more of the the classic physique the Arnold physique type deal and that's what you see with the Arnold classic that's why C-Bomb, the Arnold classic Callum von Moger. Yeah, I think that is such a better competition just because I actually think that, you know, I would want to look like them and they look awesome. And it's more of like, maybe it's nostalgia a little bit because that's No, I think you're, I think you're just back. right. I think it just looks better because, yeah. not not saying Ronnie Coleman didn't look great, but he looked like somebody drew him for a comic book. Right, like, we were just he watching like a video of him and he, yeah, he looks like the, you know, the rescue heroes. Yeah, yeah. The the waist is like an inch, you know, and yeah. just complete crazy taper. Yeah, up but to that's that back. the thing is he was legitimately insane. And another crazy thing about Ronnie Coleman is he 
he wasn't just bodybuilding all day. He worked as a freaking cop. Right, and that's impressive. Which is I impressive. I don't yeah. know how he swung that. He must have. He had to tailor make shorts and a special yeah. uniform for him and everything. Cracks me up. So cool. Yeah, but I think what Arnold also brought to the sport when you were talking about like Reg Park and some of the old bodybuilders, Arnold kind of made it a little more cool. <laughs> I feel like before that, it was a bunch of dudes in their basement garage that were just like depressed <laughs> and bullied. And Arnold actually had some charisma, some personality, and he was an actor in Hollywood. Some, something tells he me that people did positive attention to it. Yeah, yeah, he he did bring a lot of positive attention to it. Mike, I mean, Arnold's the Michael Jordan of bodybuilding. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, but completely changed the game. Yeah, it, something tells me Reg Park was never bullied though. I, mean, I don't mean like him specifically, <laughs> but like that was like the stereotype. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then it was actually Arnold, big. You know, charismatic. He's an yeah. actor. Kind of uh-huh. had some other things going for him as well and stuff. Oh yeah, Char- charisma Crucial. off the charts for sure. Right, and that even carried him into politics, which is more related to our topic today. But yeah, even though his political career sucked. Yeah, the whole thing recently with Arnold really just made me sad. The whole screw, screw your, your freedom. freedom. I think a lot of guys in the bodybuilding community that that broke a lot of hearts because we were just like you know what like Callum Von Moger ripping the posters down ripping the posters down I was just like you know what I respect Callum so much now for that yeah that was great and that made me like a die hard Callum Von Moger fan right I love that too and and I just I I still don't hate Arnold I think you 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 take what you can get from people right and, and and that sounds kind of weird, but you, I mean, well, you I meet people where they're mentors. willing to come to, right? Yeah. And Arnold is good with the physical stuff. Is he necessarily spiritually balanced? Maybe not. Socially, he's probably pretty good. Politically, he sucks. Right, but... But mentally, physically, charismatically, which is socially, right. it's pretty good. But he, he lacks in certain areas, too, which is tragic and hopefully fixes it, but... You know, I, I really think that it's hard for me because, you know, there's musical artists and all these different people nowadays that have, like, some sort of fame, and they're famous for singing, or they're famous for bodybuilding, or they're famous for all these really cool things, but they end up using those platforms to get political. Yeah. And sometimes that's really hard for me to deal with because I like the music, yeah. or I like, you know, the bodybuilding, and so it's you have to kind of compartmentalize it like you were talking about, but sometimes it's just, ugh. I yeah. wish they, I wish that people, and maybe this is just me being, an, I don't know, whiny, <laughs> but I wish people could just, like, realize what they're kind of good at, why people like them, why people look to them, and kind of stick inside their scope. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not try to go outside of that, because I don't give a crap what some celebrity thinks politically, Dad was actually telling me about Daniel Day-Lewis, the greatest living actor oh, today. Oh, Lincoln, Last Mohicans, where his other shows? He's got a bunch. Yeah, there Will Be Blood, which is hard to watch, uh, but the acting's insane. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I didn't in, love the movie, but the acting, you're right. He's in tons of stuff. Lincoln and, and Last Mohicans are, are, are his two best movies, for sure. And if we're going to talk about Daniel Day-Lewis and acting, Lincoln is like amazing it's a master class that being said dad told me once i think it was when last of the mohicans came out and someone asked him about some political thing he said look you know i'm paid to act 
I'll talk to you about my acting. I love and, that. And, and That's refreshing. He's probably on the political left because he's an actor, right? Well, Hangs care. out in Hollywood. But you know what? If you're going to have that integrity to just say, look, I'm not going to impose my views on people because they're supporting me for this other thing that is totally unrelated to politics and whatever else, I'm totally okay with that. Right. I think that's great. It's it's the same... It's the reason we, me and you stopped watching NFL football. Right. Right, because they started using the NFL, the field, as the a game, platform. as a platform. If, if a guy wanted speech. to go take out, you know, go set up a booth, Steven Crowder style, and, and start yelling at people on sidewalks, right? right? What his opinion was. Whatever, I, fine. I support that. That's fine. I don't care if it's for climate change activism, which I disagree with, or if it's for lower taxes. Have at it, guys. Yeah. I think I think with the whole NFL issue too, it wasn't necessarily that like because I've heard a lot of people go, well, that's their right to do that. I don't think I, I mean it's a hundred percent the NFL's right to stamp that on the field, and it might even be within those players' rights to take a knee, but it's also within my right to shut the freaking TV off. Yep. And the thing that was tragic about that is it was always broadcast as pro America, pro patriotism, and. And aside from that, neutral on politics. It was a place that people could come, whether you were black, white, left, right, orange, green, whatever it was. Right. And and it brought us together. It brought you together. You, if you were a Broncos fan, you were a Broncos fan. Right. If if you liked the Ravens, you liked the Ravens, and you cheered for that team. And what happened is they brought politics in it, and just like Dennis, divides the country. just like Dennis Prager said. The left ruins everything it touches. The left came into the NFL and ruined football. Well, and sports are a game. Yeah. What's cool about them is they can unite people like that. Yeah. No matter what the differences we have yeah. are. Like I think one of the clearest examples that we've talked about is uh, Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. Like really cool. Like sports can be awesome. They can bring us together. They can solve our issues. But now that it's like kind of being broken down and broken apart. And becoming that, like, you have all these politics seeping in and everything. It's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough to watch and it's Well, yeah, and you sad. don't have to support things like that. And that's, that's why we made the decision to shut it off. We haven't, I, I literally have not watched an NFL football game since week two, I think, three and a half years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Since my I, mission, since 2017, I yeah. haven't. And people, people are like, dude, when... Hey Quade, when's when's the Super Bowl again? Is it this week know. or that week? I'm like, I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl, <laughs> dude. Ten years ago, if people want to watch the Super Bowl. That's fine. I'm not gonna be the person that's gonna go, you know, around saying like you shouldn't watch the Super Bowl because of this. But if I, mean, I agree, I don't. I don't like to fault people if they choose to continue to watch it, right? And take that stuff. It's just not me. I can't. I can't stand it. I don't like watching it if they're gonna stamp things on the field that I blatantly disagree with. Yeah. Then I don't. Here, here's the thing. Ten years ago, would you have pegged us for having done that? No, we were like the biggest diehard Broncos fans. For Thanksgiving that year, we went over and you know went to the Broncos game, and I remember doing that as a family. And it yeah, was we like, watched the Thanksgiving I, night Broncos uh, versus Giants in Denver. Right. I have you know posters of the Denver Broncos still up in my room, mm-hmm. and I have jerseys from you know some of the goats. I got Elway jersey. 
my favorite guy was John Lynch when, you know, that was before the league changed too. Here's another thing. Football itself has changed. The way you and I learned how to play football, the drill Omaha, yeah. is banned in Little League and in high school because <laughs> there's too many concussions. And so, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's changing. If, if you look at, at the physicality of the sport, it's a lot more speed, a lot less strength. Right. Which, which, is, which is a shame. Right. It, I watched football so I could watch freaks that were just completely <laughs> nuts run into each other and butt heads. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah, totally. And when John Lynch was, you know, sacking people at a million miles an hour and playing safety and just, you know, totally decleating fools, it was really was fun awesome. to watch. Yeah. And then he started getting fined for hitting too hard. Yeah. You know, and then that was when they started doing, like, the head-to-head, the targeting rules, and they had the movie Concussion with Will Smith come out, and it just kind of... Ruined the sport. They did. It, yeah. it, and, like, if people want to watch it, that's great, but it's just becoming more like rugby. Well, and rugby's still a tough sport, but you just don't have the high-impact collisions. Yeah. They used to be the biggest difference is because with yeah. the pads, you could just completely obliterate somebody because you didn't have to pull up. Yeah. Pet peeve of mine is when people are like, man, football's tough, but if you play rugby, you're extra tough. I'm like, no... Well, they teach you like to tackle soccer different. that lets you check guys, like, right. and you tackle different, and there's different rules, and it's like, yeah, you might get a bloody lip and bleed all over the place because they're too stupid to actually pad up, but the thing is, too... You get less You get hard less, impacts. yeah, you get way harder impacts. Guys mm-hmm. flying like a torpedo when you put them in 10 pounds of armor, which is right. literally what, what football pads is, is... 10 pounds of armor. Right. So guys feel invincible and they fly around like their body's a weapon. That's and, what's cool about it. Yeah. It's it's great. And people are like, oh, well, what about the you know the people that are getting concussions? I'm like, they're being compensated. <laughs> like, they paid millions of dollars, it's, man. Like, if you're yeah. going to be in the NFL and you're going to be willing to take that risk, like... Yeah, if you're going to be a roofer, you might fall off the roof. If you're going to be a professional football player... You might get, you a, might concussion. get a concussion. No, I'm all for them, like... Being innovative with the helmets and like maybe totally. doing things with that and like improving technology, but I feel like it always just becomes, um, you know, we're just gonna make new stupid rules and then it screws 100%. the game up. Hundred percent. No, and just kind of real quick, going back to one point you said, where you don't fault people for watching it, and I'm with you. I don't. I mean, I, what I mean by that is I'm not going to walk around saying other people shouldn't watch it. No, and I'm, that's exactly the same that, – that's the same line I'm on. But at the same time, it does make me question, do those people have a line in the sand at all? Or will they just be those people like that Jordan Peterson talks about that just continually get encroached upon? And then they complain about it for sure. Explain that, because I think that's super key. I love that. It was on a Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, so Jordan Peterson on the Joe Rogan podcast was talking about how if somebody's going to try to take your rights, they're not just going to come up one day and just like a crocodile just jump out of the swamp and bite you. They're going to take an inch, and then maybe you let them because it's only an inch. Then they take another inch. And maybe you let them because it's only another inch. And when they take another inch, maybe go, hey, hey, and you kind of push back. They go, okay. And they just stay there with that those two inches that they've gained and then a little bit later an inch an inch an inch until you push back and then okay they've gained three more inches and it's just the boiling frog syndrome Mm -hmm. where they're slowly turning up the heat and then all of a sudden you blink and you're a mile back from where you started you go how'd i get here well it's because you let somebody encroach 
upon your liberties, upon your territory, upon your freedoms that you should have guarded jealously, um, and and you didn't, you didn't, you didn't bite back when you should have. Right, and and for those that think this is just a political system, like or a political phenomenon, it's one of my favorite talks by uh, a Mormon thinker named John. By the way, it's called Righteous Warriors. Latter Day Saint thinker. Right. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. Um, you're right. I need to stop doing that. I do that all the time. Anyway, Righteous Warriors. He talks about a Malachi. Malachi is talking to somebody who um, was, you know, a Lamanite, but. Uh, anyway, long story short, he's trying to convince this guy to come down from the top of a mountain area. There are two guys, two opposing sides in a war. Right, and so he's trying to convince the leader um, of the the other side, of Malachi, is trying to convince him to come down off the mountain and, and talk to him. And he said, no, I'm not compromising, I'm not coming down. He asks him again, he says no. And then he gets clever, he goes up a little bit, and then he says, just come down a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. He comes down a little bit, and then the end of the story is he ends up being poisoned, and then Malachi takes both armies and goes and attacks a different army. And so but what, happened, but what happened was he, yeah. he just came down a little bit, right? Multiple times. Multiple so times, though. That's the he interesting did, thing. Yeah, and he kept compromising, but it's just those small encroachments, right? Whether you take it from a spiritual perspective, you know, um, where that honestly is, I think, a really, I think that's what Satan uses a lot of time. Lucifer, the, the adversary, I think he just encroaches a little and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more. And I think that, you know, eventually, like you said, you're, you're way past where you should be. Get here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot harder to get back than it and is it, to just keep it. It happens with your freedoms. It happens. It can happen in your a spiritual marriage, life. in a relationship, in your spiritual life. It can happen in any facet of life. And so it's important to understand where your line is. And so going back to it, just like what you were saying... And, and just kind of going back to what, what we were talking about, it just makes me question, where are those people's line? Or do they have one? Are they even thinking about that? Right. That's a great question. I wonder if they're just kind of so engrossed in the here and now that they let what's immediate overcome what's most important. I mean, we, had, we started out with 15 days to slow the spread, and it went two and a half years. Why? Because of those small encroachments. Yep. Right and and nobody had well defined lines that nope. they would defend. No, nope. they just had their brains turned off, and were willing to just be encroached upon mm-hmm. as long as their life remained easy. And that's that's interesting because it's almost like ease is an enemy to freedom. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to the fact that people don't necessarily want freedom. Yeah. They want some someone to take care of they them. Want security. Yeah, they want you know the. Maybe they want it's, to be taken care maybe of. Maybe it's a reverting back to childhood a little bit. They want someone to know better, so they project that and want onto the government. Oh, the government knows best. They'll take care of me. When in reality, which is hilarious because the government is one of the most incompetent things around. But, but I also think it that is power hungry and has all the guns. So. Right. Well, and I think that not all the guns because we're Americans, but. It has lots of big guns. And I think that's a basic human need, and I think everybody has that need. I think how you fulfill that need is super important, though, because like for you and I, it's church. Yeah. Heavenly Father knows better. We can trust that He knows better, and He can you know guide us and help us out in our life. And our parents. Other people put their faith in things that they shouldn't, like the government. Yeah. And that's what provides them a sense of security, and and I think that's 
maybe where you see a little bit of a difference on how yeah. those two groups will fulfill that need. Will we appeal to a higher power via revelation, personal revelation? And we also, so we have that doctrinal guidance, but we also have like parents and people that are close to us that we use as counselors as well. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't have those good spiritual ties or relationships. And so, yeah, that's tough for sure. And it mm. makes it, makes things a lot more murky. Yeah. So it's important to have those. Make sure anyway, you trust the wrong sources. This has been a fantastic introduction to the podcast. 27 so. minute intro. Yeah, so good, we'll start on intro. So should we do some manly moments? Yeah, I'll start. Um, my favorite moment from this last week was we're going to pull from Ukraine again. At least I am. I'm not sure. I am too. Are you? Cool. Um, so we offered to get President Zelensky out. The situation in Ukraine, I'm sure a lot of the people who listen to this are keeping up on it, but... Um, you know, it's getting a lot worse. They're still like trying to take Kiev. They haven't taken Kiev yet, which is where Zelensky is. Can I say one thing real quick? So the Russians say Kiev, the Ukrainians say Kiev. So it's Kiev. All right. We like Ukraine. Kiev. All right. Anyway, um, so the United States offered to get Zelensky out. Who is the is he the, the president? It's not prime minister. He's the president. It's the president, president of Ukraine. We offered to get him out, and he responded um, by saying, "The fight's here. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition." And I think that's awesome. It just shows it like awesome. really strong leadership that he's going to be there, leading from the front, sticking with his, you know, the people that are on the ground and trying to help out with the whole situation to the extent that he can, inspiring people. Really, really cool. I love it. And and one quick thing I probably should mention, just real quick. Our last podcast, Manly Moment, The Ghost of Kiev. Um, there have been some news reports out that the Ghost of Kiev might be an amalgamation of a few different people. That's what I said to you when and we were, were talking the other day, too. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if it's like a bunch of people. But. Yeah, and they were putting it out as maybe some war propaganda, like, look at all these guys we're shooting down and everything else, and just one guy's taking out six Russians. Here's my thing with that, just before I do my manly moment, is even if it is, I still love the story. So it's it still stays in the manly moment. You That's down? pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to take it down, but... 100%. And President Zelensky, that's awesome as well. I love that. I need a, I need ammunition, not a ride. That's, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. That might be one of the best quotes in warfare history. Well, and I think that the Daily Wire actually went in and made a t-shirt that says it. And I'm like, that's freaking uh-huh. sick. <laughs> yep. So, okay, my manly moment for this podcast... Um, also coming from the Ukraine-Russian war. And this one, this, this one kind of breaks my heart. This one's a, a report on Daily Wire, and they've got a picture of the guy. And uh, <clears throat> it says, Ukrainian soldier blows himself up to stop Russian military from advancing across bridge, Ukraine says. A Ukrainian soldier is being credited with giving his life by blowing up a bridge to stop advancing Russian forces that were cutting through Ukraine after Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered a full-scale invasion. 
when the battle when the battalion decided that the only way to block the armored column was by blowing up the bridge, Vitali Skakun volunteered to place mines on the span. And when he realized he had no time to get to safety, the brave soldier made the ultimate sacrifice and blew the bridge while he was still on it. Wow. And they're crediting him with stopping the Russian advance long enough to allow the Ukrainians to rally troops and be able to protect a lot of their big cities because he was able to stop those Russians single-handedly. That's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. And they've given him a bunch of posthumous medals and and everything. But, yeah, that's that's manly. Way cool, man. All right, well, now that we're... Uh... A couple of minutes in, we're going to start on to <laughs> our topic. Quaid wrote this one. The title of um, this post is What Makes a Un- America Unique? Part 1. So I'm just going to go ahead and read that. A shining city on a hill. Victor of two world wars. Of, destroyer of the evil Soviet Union. And liberator of millions. America is truly uniquely special. But what makes her so? The 5,000-Year Leap by W. Cleon Skousen, Skousen. Skousen depicts many unique factors of the American experiment. In one particular, one in particular stands out, the foundational political spectrum of the United States. Skousen explains that the U.S. founders knew that prosperity and freedom lay in the middle ground between what they called tyranny, or too much government, an anarchy, which is no government at all. They wanted a government small enough to allow for the freest citizen possible, while still guaranteeing a civil society. If men were angels, said James Madison, then no government would be necessary. Many nations today subscribe to a European-styled political spectrum. All big government and socialistic, with communism on the extreme left and fascism on the extreme right. Not so in America, where the entire European political spectrum would fall into the American far-left or tyrannical side of the spectrum. In today's America, when when the issue of politics arises, many look for cheap virtue in labeling themselves centrists, and therefore above petty squabbles as if taking the middle ground between murderous socialism and the constitutional republic established by America's founders is somehow virtuous. This is a mistaken thought process that arises out of a poor understanding of the true nature of the American political spectrum that frequently conflates the U.S. and Euro spectrums. According to, the Amer- according to America's founders, the correct path forward is indeed found in the middle, but a middle ground on a completely different field of play. The correct balance to strike is between tyranny and anarchy. Some government, but not too much. Continued American freedom depends on on U.S. citizens understanding this unique political principle and how the U.S. political spectrum itself is unique and worthy of continuation. If we apply this truly unique political vision, 
we get a we've got a fighting chance. If we don't, we'll likely slowly dissolve until we're just like everyone else. I dig it. I love that, Quaid. Uh, I thought this was really well written and a really big issue today. Um, one of the things that really stands out to me that I run into all the time is this, this what you talk about here. Um, you say, in today's America, when the issue of politics arises, and I feel like these are the people that are very agreeable, that aren't good at conflict, don't know how to negotiate very well, maybe. They are normally the ones that would look for cheap virtue in labeling themselves centrist and therefore above the petty squabbles, right? Yeah. I think that's such an issue because um, you hear, there's even a song, I mean, it's country too, so that makes it worse, <laughs> where he's like, oh, I'm Democrat or Republican, I guess I'm screwed, I'm neither one, and it's you're some sort of... dumbass. Right, you're just an idiot. Uh, normally Sorry that for the means swear, but sometimes those are appropriate. Well, I just feel like that's so common. People think that, you know, well, I'm just in the middle, and generally what I see is a bit of a cop out because they don't ever want to state an opinion or have to defend it. Yeah, in the book of Revelation in the Bible, Jesus says that if you're lukewarm, he will vomit you from his mouth. Is what the scripture says lukewarm kind of middling fence sitters that don't like to take a position on anything or it's like stand people for that anything. are agnostic yeah if you stand for if, if you won't stand for anything then you stand for nothing yeah and and, you fall for everything and you fall for everything you're an idiot and yeah you're those people that are getting encroached upon because you don't know what to fight for and yeah it, it has always struck me as just it's either incompetence, ignorance, or somebody looking for cheap virtue. And that's why I put cheap virtue, because I think a lot of the times nowadays, that's what it is. Because they're going, well, I don't want to get on either side. And it's like, I almost respect an AOC who is just crazy, insane, basically communist. Oh, she but, says... Yeah, but socialist. But, but who will admit it? Self-proclaimed. She yeah. she goes for it, right? I disagree with almost everything she says, but I know what side of the fence she's on. We right. can, we can at least. You know what to expect from a person. We like can that. at least do political battle with that. Uh-huh. Somebody who goes, well, both sides have good points. No, they don't. The American political left is socialist. Mm-hmm. Period. That's what that's what the far left is. Now I'm not talking about you know blue dog democrat liberals. Liberals and leftists are different. Like explain. We, leftists want to shut down free speech. That's probably the main divider between a leftist and a and a democrat. So if someone democrat saying... might argue with me on taxes, but a leftist doesn't want me to even be able to speak. And they've gone full-blown socialist, communist, fascist. And that's another thing. That's, and before I get going too much, but the main, that, that's one of the things that really bugs me about today's politics, too, is around the world, is there a truly free nation besides America? And, and, and I pose that question because 
if you think about it, every nation is to some degree socialistic now, besides America. And even America has socialism bleeding New deal. into it. New Deal, you know, the, the American political left, currently they have all the political power. What I'm saying, though, is there is still a surviving constitutional Republican fight in America. Half the country is constitutionally minded. And because of that, it's holding socialism, full-scale socialism, at bay in the United States. And that's something that's really interesting because the rest of the world operates on an entirely different political spectrum than the United States. The founders set up our constitution, did all this, created a new government, but they also created a new type of politics. At the time that the founders existed, everybody was kind of mired in a monarchy, right? And tyrannical kings were just putting down their edicts to their peasants. What the founders did, though, is they established that political spectrum like I talked about based on tyranny on the left and anarchy on the right. Those are the extremes. And what the founders said is, we don't want either extreme. We need a little bit of government to keep society civil, but not so much government that the people aren't free. Because you can't have true freedom without government either. You have to kind of keep freedom within its bounds, or else it becomes libertinism, which is just doing whatever you want, which isn't liberty. It's anarchy. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's anarchy, and that's horrible. That's a bad thing. Right. And I think you could even make a case that democracy moves towards either anarchy. And nor- I mean, normally yeah, yeah. that's because it's, it's democ- rules. Democracy is anarchical. It's on the anarchical side of things. But it right. could also be tyrannical. It's called tyranny of the of the of the majority. Mob rules. rules. Yeah, tyranny of the majority, mob rules. Yeah, 51% imposing their will on 49%. That's why, that's another thing. America is not a democracy. It's a constitutional republic. Yeah. There are elements of democracy in any republic. Right. But a republic is representative government. Right. Right. And... Explain what that means. What's a republic? A republic is... A more evolved form of democracy. Democracy comes from ancient Greece, where it literally was mob rules. And they killed Socrates because Socrates said mob rules is a poor way to rule the people. Mm -hmm. And they killed him for it. Right. They killed one of the wisest men to ever live. Right. So, but it was important that Greece had democracy because it was the first democracy, even though democracy is on its own, not necessarily the best thing. But it's a good start, in a way. It was the world starting to get away from monarchies. Then Rome comes around, and Rome founds a republic, which the people elect senators, and the senators represent them in government. So that the people, yeah, so you as a person in a republic can go run your business, do your thing, live your life, knowing that the guy you voted for that stands for your ideals is fighting for your ideals in the government to keep things running well. And it runs fairly well. So you could actually argue that the American founders set up the American Republic under a more Roman style than a Greek style. They were actually scared of the Greek style democracy. They didn't want that. Well, the founders had a special like distaste and dislike 
for democracy. For straight, yeah, for democracy. Yeah. So the House of Representatives is democracy because it's, and it's still Republican democracy because you're still electing representatives, but it's based on the population count, the House of Representatives. So California has more representatives than Utah, so California is going to get more votes in the House of Representatives. Now, the Senate, though, is what the founders set up to offset what the House of Representatives is doing. In the Senate, Utah has two senators and California has two senators. Mm -hmm. So there's no mob rules there. They, they play against each other. Checks and balances. Exactly. Even within the legislature, checks and balances. It's brilliant the way that it's set up. So the founders set up this awesome political spectrum and this awesome, con awesome constitutional government. And in the meantime, the rest of the world kind of evolved into what it is today out of monarchical, tyrannical rule. It's almost like the pendulum swung too hard the other way and went socialistic, which is tyranny of the people, you could say. And socialism is big government. It's not big individual. It's the government taking from people in order to force people to have an equal outcome. And can I say something to just yeah. go along with that? I think I heard something from Jordan Peterson, and it wasn't from him. I think he was quoting somebody else. But one of my favorite ideas that really kind of hit me upside the head about socialism, about communism, right? The idea behind it is, oh, we want to care for the poor. And so we're going to just, you know, make you know everything public property and then we're going to distribute it so that nobody's poor and we're going to do it evenly right so many issues with that um but yeah you're stealing people's but, goods and, and that's, property but that's what he get he goes into yeah. is it's normally not a a want to help the poor that fuels it it's an envy of the rich exactly and so it's normally people that just hate rich people and say Oh, well, they have way more than I should. When in reality, a rising tide rises raises all ships, right? Yep. And so that's that's how capitalism works, which happens to fit really well being with the, the lowest, American style of government, right? And and being the lowest on you know the side on in a capitalistic system is normally better. It's not perfect. Capitalism isn't perfect. And, yeah. And you have to adjust it. But being lowest on that is normally still way better than being in the middle. Yeah. In a communistic society with that everyone's level on. Exactly. It's just shared shared poverty, shared crappy level of living. Yeah, you're 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 cutting off people's heads who get too tall uh, rather than rather than just giving people a boost up. That's socialism is cutting off people's heads. Right. Uh, metaphorically speaking. Making sure you And know, sometimes literally speaking. Making sure no crab crawls out of the barrel. Yeah, exactly. Pulling them back in. Yeah. And what I'm so anyway, kind of going back to the, the political spectrums and what makes America unique is the rest of the world, while America in the 1700s has this amazing revolution with all these brilliant founders who came together at the same time. It's kind of funny how that just happened to happen, isn't it? Maybe inspired, not exactly a coincidence, right? <laughs> yeah, literally, the guy who invented electricity was helping not invented electricity but he's not Zeus literally the guy who discovered electricity 
was one of the people founding America. Let's that's, talk about that's that too. Insane. The way he, he like conducted some of his experience, his experiments with Franklin, the, the kite and the key on the yeah, end. Yeah, that's it. that's a myth. Oh, is it? Yeah, that I love that story though. He told the story to illustrate a point. It, it wasn't, and then it became kind of urban legend and then became it, one of those like he got stuck in the bathtub yeah things. yeah taff never got stuck in the bathtub yeah. well reportedly he may have we just don't no, the know the reporter it. the reporter said he's so large he could get stuck in the bathtub yeah. and then it got spun out of control and... <laughs> poor guy <laughs> it, it's hard to be a fat president anyway um that being said so america has this new style political system set up it's what's interesting too just a little aside do you know what the oldest constitution is in the world whose it is constitution yeah the oldest the oldest constitution of a nation was it the english um what was that called where they actually like restrained the power of the kings the magna carta yeah good good i don't know if you can consider that that's that's actually it's it's kind of on the road to becoming a constitution, but it's not a constitution. The oldest constitution in the world is the American Constitution. No other constitution has been written, has lasted this long. They've been rewritten, changed, different coups have happened in the countries and things have happened. Actually, what's interesting about Great Britain is they don't have a constitution. They don't have a written constitution. They have certain documents, like the Magna Carta, that give them kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, bumper lanes to stay within, but <laughs> real loose there on that. Like, technically, according to the British system of government, the Queen, if she wanted to, could seize all power still. That's wow. literally on the table still. Anyway, that being said, America's got this awesome new political spectrum. Tyranny on the one hand, anarchy on the other. The middle ground is where you want to be. The rest of the world evolves from monarchies. They go through certain things. And the pendulum swings into socialism, leftism. And what's interesting is on a socialistic scale, because you can literally think every country today is on that leftist political scale. Great Britain Canada, Australia, Germany, China, Russia, Korea, Israel, every country that exists today is on that socialist scale, that leftist scale. So if you're judging politics based on that scale, the far extreme left is communism and the far extreme right is fascism. Both of those, fascism and communism are socialistic political, are socialistic political, what do you say, ideologies. Well, and I think you can see that because the word Nazi is an acronym. Yeah. And it literally stands for National Socialist something, German something Workers' in, Party. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So exactly. National Socialist German Workers' Party. Uh-huh. How does that have anything to do with and so what we would associate today with the political right in the United States. It has nothing to do conservatives. with Conservatives. Conservative capitalist yeah, and people. Just, and no. let's just say that right now. What do conservatives in America want to conserve? Okay. And I think in order to understand this question, what do people think of as a conservative 
when you when you just say that out loud, I think they simply think of a conservative as someone who conserves the values of the past, right? Yes. There's That's a, not necessarily the case in America. Yeah. They're conserving something. Exactly. There's a there's We're a, conserving the Constitution of the United States. Yeah. It, exactly. You nailed it on the head. We are conserving a constitutional governance of the United States. That's Anything what a, that that's deviates what an American that. conservative is. I heard a quote from a guy and he's a you know big conservative dude from the 50s or whatever. And he said, a conservative's role in society is to stand athwart progress and yell, stop. Right. I don't necessarily like that, though. Because it looks like we're playing defense the whole time. Well, and that makes it sound like what we were just talking about. Someone who simply conserves conserves the values of the past. We're not just conserving the values of the past. It so happens that the Constitution was in the past, but... We're conserving something specific. Exactly. And to your point, we're not necessarily just conserving the past. That's kind of what European political spectrum quote-unquote conservatives are doing. Mm -hmm. Trying to conserve the past or whatever else they're doing. The values of yesterday. Basically, a conservative in Great Britain is just a a less radical socialist. That's really what it is. Yeah. Um, In America... You're conserving constitutional governance. And that's a really important uh, key to take away here because you're not playing defense. You're playing offense. You're standing um, up for something. You're, you're telling people why the Constitution is worth conserving. It, exactly. But the Constitution in and of itself is worth conserving. It's what made America great. It's what set America apart. It's what made America unique and continues to make America unique today. If we get away from that, if we stop understanding that, hey, we're not even on the same political spectrum, and that's an, a really interesting deal too, is the left frequently tries, the American left, I should specify that, the American left frequently tries to conflate European-style politics or European-style political, political spectrum with American-style political spectrum. So they'll say, well, right-wingers, I mean, yeah, we might have crazy extreme communists on our side. Yeah, we'll admit that. But right-wingers in America, they have fascists and Nazis on their side. That's horrible, isn't it? And let's talk about that because what is on the right in America? You have conservatives that are standing for the Constitution. They're capitalists. They're generally Christian. What does so, fascism have to do with any of those? Nazism, freedom? fascism has nothing no to do with freedom, small government, any of that. If anything... Capitalism? If anything... National that, Socialist German Workers Party? Exactly. What does that do with capitalism? It's literally big government socialism. Right. And, and that is on the left. Now, as far as American conservatives go, this is a, to your point. I, I think if anything... The extreme far right, the extreme, 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 where we don't want to be, is just anarchy. (laughs) I've got my gun, you've got your gun, you come on my property, I shoot you, (laughs) this is my oil. (laughs) (laughs) Mad Max style stuff. Book of Eli. Now, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a movie. (laughs) Anyway, that, honestly though, that's what it is. It's an American political spectrum there's anarchy on the one side we don't want to be an anarchy no and there's tyranny on the other side and the left the american left today skews wholeheartedly into tyranny because they're socialists 
Well, and let's also well out. the right might tend towards that anarchical extreme freedom view at times, but the main body of the American conservative today is striving to conserve the Constitution, which keeps that real middle ground. The American left is trying to operate on a European political spectrum, and they're trying to smear the American right as operating under that same spectrum as, well, you guys are all just fascists and Nazis. That's not true. You, and you can't conflate those two. Conflating those two is a categorical error. And if we're going to conserve the Constitution, if we're going to conserve America and her greatness, we have to understand that because we have to understand what we're fighting for, what we're conserving. We're not playing defense. We're not just conserving the, the values of the past either. Yeah, and we're not playing defense conserving the pe- values of the past like you said. Because there are we issues are, with the values of the past. We are actively promoting constitutional American republic governance. Yep. That's why American conservatives are called Republicans and Democrats are called Democrats because... They skew more towards democracy, equality, Anything where that... conservatives skew more towards republic, republicanism. That's, that's how that works. And it's, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when people conflate the two because it's just wrong. And it makes, and you know, we're going to do a, a few different podcasts, I think, on what makes America unique. And this is probably the the first main foundational point of what makes America unique is its unique political spectrum. And that's, I think, a good place to start with America's uniqueness. What makes America special? It's founding. And even below the founding is that political spectrum that the founders operated on. Tyranny on the other, on the one hand, anarchy on the other. The safe path is through the middle. With a constitution that's going to rein in government and give as much freedom to the citizen as possible. By the way, video games suck. suck. We hate video games. Video games Don't suck. play video games. Do something better with Assassin's your life. Assassin's Creed 3, where they're in the American Revolution, is pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah. But, but video games suck. But video games suck. Anyway. Uh, Dad, do you have anything else to add? I don't think so, man. I, I talked a lot. I think that's what makes America unique. Part one. More parts coming. Stay tuned.